Story number one. A land worth dying for, written by Sam789. There are roads which must not be followed, armies which must not be attacked, towns which must not be besieged, positions which must not be contested, commands of the sovereign which must not be obeyed. Sun Tzu, the Art of War The Pithcon were a curious, spiritualist species, and their longing to answer the mysteries of creation and life permeated their entire society. It was their tradition to either capture or gain through trade the home world of the younger species on the galactic stage, those who the Alliance didn't particularly care about. They believed that the worlds that fostered intelligent life would hold parts of the answer to the greatest mystery of creation. They took precautions not to be cruel about it. Those living on said home worlds were given time to evacuate, but if they stayed, or their government resisted relieving their home world to the Pithcon, things could get, um, ugly. This would very rarely happen. Most species were happy to give up the home world once realizing the trade deal the Pithcon would offer, or the military might of the Pithcon. So, when the Pithcon heard about a newly discovered species calling themselves humanity, they assumed that this would be a business deal as usual. Humanity, for such as young species, had gained a particularly large amount of territory by venturing down into an unexplored arm of the galaxy, colonizing worlds that are now considered by the Alliance to be unfit for life of any kind. Humanity was eager to meet the alien life of the Alliance, a feeling that was not mutually shared, and so the Alliance left humanity to their own devices. And when they discovered the Pithcon fleet moving towards human lands, they were apathetic. Dealing with the Pithcon was simply too much of a hassle for the Alliance. Aboard the USS Ares, Admiral Clef stood still as a scarecrow and straight as a toothpick to get Terra's surprise guests, or invaders depending on who you asked. His assistant signaled that comms would be active in 10 seconds and Clef still didn't know what a respectable leader looked like and sounded like to the foreign visitors. He settled in something between intimidating and honored by the arrival. Therefore, he knew that the Pithcon commander's ugly mug filled the monitor. Clef took a deep breath and spoke. Greetings, Admiral Pithcon. I am Admiral Clef of the United Nations of Earth, and speak on behalf of the 22 planetary and 14 lunar colonies under its domain. What business do you have in our system? The Pithcom commander wasted no time for the formalities. You know why I'm here. Clef returned the Pithcom's harsh glare through the camera. I had assumed the nasty rumors of homeworld snatching were simply xenophobic ramblings. The Pithcom commander's silence proved the answer Clef needed. Clef resumed. This system and the planets within this system lie under the rule and protection of the United Nations of Earth. Leave now, or perish. The Pithcon replied with a cleft that only assumed was a laugh. We will do neither. Surrender immediately. Comfort yourselves in the fact that your home world will provide more pieces of the puzzle to the greatest mystery in the universe. Admiral Clef stared silently at the monitor for a few seconds in contemplation. Are you willing to die for this land, Pithcon? The Pithcon commander replied maniacally, Our losses will be minimal to non-human. No, I mean you personally willing to die. The Pithcon commander provided no response, Because I and everyone in my fleet are willing to die a thousand fiery painful deaths 
for the planet behind us. And I am ready, willing, and honored to die for Earth. Can you say the same? The Bithcon commander grunted and barked out an order to end communications. Only two hours later, the Pithcon commander stood silently watching the silent deaths of ships under his command, the final screams of his comrades lost in the vast void of space. The human fleet used tactics that any civilized being would be considered to work of a madman, a suicidal maniac who had no qualms with death, and perhaps even considered him an acquaintance at times, a feral, rabid thing, or, as the humans would put it, Someone defending what they loved the most. There would be no chance for retreat now, no chance for surrender. There would only be how and how to pay. And so that day the galaxy learned a lesson that it would remember for the rest of time. The armies of the species willing to die for the dirt beneath their feet should never be tested under any circumstances. End of story number one. Story number two. Written by the one fearless falcon. Commander, I don't know what to say. We're outmatched against the Zawak in every conceivable way. I don't have any advice for you. Commander Grook shifted his antenna and her species equivalent of a resigned sigh of defeat. The Zawak was a military race, not known for their firepower or their numbers, but their sheer patience. With each of their carrier ships sporting armor that could take on an asteroid head-on, with little more than a dent, all they ever needed to do was ship-to-ship combat, which jammed their target's warp drive and wait. Hey, Commander! The Grook opened the solitary eye in the back of its head and saw the ship's resident human, a young lieutenant who called himself Richard, or Richard for any aliens who could pronounce it shuffling anxiously at the entrance of the bridge. We're running really low on food that I can eat. It's been three weeks. Has that ship ever going to leave? Grok gritted her teeth and flexed her antennae again. I am afraid not, Richard. The Zawak are after the military codes that we had on our ship, and they plan to starve us out before looting the remains. And before you ask why we aren't engaging, we ran out of ammunition and plasma cannons last week. We had nothing left to do but wait. Bullcrap. Excuse me, Lieutenant. I said, Bullcrap. No offense, Commander, but there has to be something that we can do besides sit here. And we are most certainly not out of ammo. You may have forgotten, but I always keep stashes in the air ducts which most of you bigger Xenos can't reach. Those got used up last Tuesday during the final salvo. Richard sighed. All right, fine. I didn't want to have to resort to Plan B, but it's time for Plan B. I still have one piece of ammunition left. Meet me in the recreational hangar in, uh, two hours. I've got to send a message to my family. Two hours later, Grok slinked into the hangar and found, of all things, a racing pod. It was Richard's experimental, admittedly illegal racing pod from his days of warp circuit before joining the crew. Emblazoned on the side was the name of the one-creature vessel. The last bullet. Never thought I'd be flying this puppy again in a hundred years. Richard choked as he strode up from behind her. And I thought you said that it was unstable. Well, yeah, it is. The whole thing will detonate if I push the experimental Winnie warp core past warp three. Which is what I planned to do. Upon seeing the commander's expression, he winked, adding, Oh, 
Don't tell me that you lot have never tried piercing the hull with an FDL projectile before. My old pal Jimmy broke the shuttle in half at warp 2. This should be enough to get inside the Zwalk ship, preferably near the main reactor, and then BOOM! No more was a walk. You cannot be serious. Try me, Cupcake. That's suicide. Good thing I may or may not have illegally raced this thing around a remote control instead of piloting it. Now all I have to do is... He fiddled with the controls a bit, then a realization dawned. Ah, wait, crap, they jammed our comms. An eerie silence fell over the pair as the ship's engines hummed with power. Damn, I... I guess I'd better send a goodbye message to my family then. Take your time, Lieutenant. They won't be going anywhere. The Grook waved farewell to Richard, skulked back towards his quarters. As soon as he was out of range, she added, But I will. Ten minutes later, Richard stared out his window and there was a brilliant explosion as the last bullet detonated the Zawak enemy ship. As he was trying to figure out what was happening, a single message appeared in his communicator from the now deceased Commander Grok. We are lower on fuel than I told the rest of the crew to avoid panic. Get them to safety. You know the sector better than I do. So I decided to be your bullet in your place. The ship is yours, Richard. Save our crew. Richard choked back as sub turned towards the control panel in his room as the ship's new commanding officer. He had a duty to fulfill. He swore that he wouldn't waste his crew's last shot at survival earned by one last heroic bullet. End of story.